And there came a day, a day unlike... Wait, no, that's been done. Hmm. Who knows what evil lurks and... No, that is that other thing. What has yellow skin and rights? Ah, forget it. You're listening to Panelology. Excelsior, oh, damn it. Welcome to episode 228 of Panelology. I am Alex. And I am Brian. That was remarkably <laughs> robotic of me. I know. It's great. I like it. Yeah. Uh, uh, I'd ask how you're doing, Brian. <laughs> Do not. Just don't even ask. I know the answer. I relate too much to the answer. Uh, I will just like, let you live in the moment and dive into distraction with comics if you so choose. Yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll suffice it to say it is probably amongst the single worst weeks of of prof- like work career work that I have ever had. Uh, that definitely that top blows. 3. Yeah. And I mean a part of it, the worst part is like I I knew it was coming but like there was no avoiding it. So, yeah, yeah, sometimes it, those are almost worse to me like when you can see it oh, you yeah. can't oh, stop yeah. it. Yep, exactly. Well, I uh I am sorry. Uh, not you. So, yeah. All right, let's do, yeah, let's do comics. Let's go. Cool. Well, uh, Dark Knight's Death Metal, Trinity Crisis number one. That's where we're going to begin. Oh, that's a good place to start. You it know why that's is. a good place to start, Alec? Because it has Brian's quote of the week. Quote yeah, it does. All right. Yeah, so, um, <laughs> I mean, this is, this is crazy fun stuff, but, uh, um, there's a point where uh, Jonah Hex and Harley are talking to each other. Yeah, and and she basically is like, I don't know why. I I know, I know why Wonder Woman chose us to go with them, and it's because we're expendable. And Jonah says something essentially to her that like, I've been through this crisis before, and I didn't do enough. And let me tell you, from from where I'm standing, you're doing just fine. And she reaches over and gives him a chick. You're doing okay in my book. And she reaches over and kisses him on the cheek. And then she says, did you just slip me the tongue? I got no cheek on that side. There ain't nothing else to kiss. <laughs> okay, fair enough. <laughs> yeah, that's a really great moment, too, because, like, it is. It one, is. seeing Harley's imposter syndrome is pretty great. Like, that's not something yeah. we get a lot of with more established characters, especially. Yeah. Um but too just like the whole she is so used to being like on the suicide squad when she does heroics, quote unquote mm. heroics mm. that Right. Yeah. The definition of expendable. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. The other two that I I like I I want a whole mini series of these two just because of their their interaction together. Yeah. Is Jaro and Jonah X. I mean, look, I, I've i never really needed a Jonah Hex book until now. No, that's my point. The three of them, if you could put all three of them just in their own book yeah. for, for like a four-issue or six-issue thing, I, oh my god, that would be so amazing. 
I'd I'd read it. I mean, anything with Jaro at this point, and anything with you're you're not completely wrong there. Yeah, give me a funny Jonah Hex any day of the week. Oh my word! (laughs) Yeah, there's there's something where he's something like a. Well, I don't want to offend anybody, and Jaro's like, if you don't want to offend anybody, try not wearing a hundred-year-old dead clothes around. Good God. <laughs> the parademons were running away from you. <laughs> uh, oh, it's beautiful. Also, uh, <laughs> can we talk about Mr. Miracle's psychic enhancement for Jaro? And of Which course, is... it looks like a fucking jar. Yep. <laughs> yep, it sure does. Oh, th- like uh, ev- everything about this was really, really wonderful. Like, there's like moving moments, and there's obviously humorous moments, and there's like heroic moments, right? Like with with the uh, uh, swamp thing when he pulls the yes. and yeah, like like this is just a great, great book and story. Oh my god! And then there was one that I was totally not expecting. The the last page reveal. No. No, 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 no. So there's a part. Oh, we, the like, pearl. The pearl. There's a page where, I mean, we know there's all the different, like, dark universe bat people, right, that have yeah. shown up. And there's a point where, like, it's like, it's like a, the classic split page where there's the heroes on the left and the villains, these new villains on the right, right? And they're like, you know, the face-off one against another. Type As thing. I like to think of it, the 90s X-Men title card. Sure, yeah, that work. That works. It, that explains it perfectly. Uh, and they have the name for each of these, and you know, some of them made sense. Like, there's one called Ark, which is clearly a bat scarecrow, right? Mm-hmm. And it turns out he has like all of Arkham inside of him somehow. I don't, I don't even know. And then there's Solomon Grundy with a bat mask, who is Black Monday, right? But now I, one... I'm looking forward to the spinoff of that book where we see him go on a killing spree. You know what that would be called, right, Brian? <laughs> The Black Monday Murders, yes. Yep. <laughs> yes, indeed. <laughs> That's lovely. <laughs> okay, but it. real talk, like, is this a Bruce Wayne who was a stock trader in the recession and killed himself and came back as And a killed zombie? himself in Slaughter Swamp and came back? Yeah. It'd be perfect. Sure. I, like, like I, would, uh, I would totally make that because just because it would need to be that way, yeah. Um, and But there were two who I didn't recognize like i couldn't piece who they were one was called cull k-u-l-l and the other was called the pearl i assumed the pearl at first was some sort of like black manta bruce wayne right that's exactly that's kind of what i thought because it's like this domed kind of mysterio ish type thing right and it makes Um, sense like pearls are underwater right exactly um I mean, I guess we'll say Cole real quick. Explain she like she just comes out and says she's the daughter of on her world of Wonder Woman and Bruce, mm-hmm. uh, Diana and Bruce, and they trained her, and so she's fighting. Uh, no, the Pearl. There's a point where Batman's like, uh, um, yeah, no, I've seen so many different Batman. There's nothing about a Batman that's there's none of you Batman that scare me anymore. To which they say, hmm, it's a good thing I'm not a Batman, and it unfogs. And it's his mother. Why did she say that name? Oh, that he doesn't have an answer (laughs) for. Oh, like I was like, oh, shit. (laughs) Uh, And then the the other one that that exists here is uh, Chiropter, which looks to me like it's Kimo, like from the Metal Men, right? Yeah. As a Batman. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, my word. Like like all these crazy bat, bat things are 
are killing me. I need an arc of the Pearl fighting Professor Pig, and it's just called Pearls Before Swine. <laughs> You're on fire today, sir. Uh, yeah, yeah, that explains that explains why my house is so smoky right now. <laughs> that go. or burnt toast. Burnt toast. <laughs> One of them, you know, take what you got, right? Take the good, you take the bad, you take them both, and then you got a smoky house. A smoky house. Um... Yeah, so the, the, the story behind this one is the the Joker, the, the Batman Who Laughs, has stabilized three worlds from the dark dimension, right, so that they don't decay. And they are the three worlds where the crises happen, right? Well, which, I mean, I guess the crises happen on all the worlds. But specifically, like, he stabilized them at the point of the crises. Yeah. So that that crisis was always happening. And it's Crisis on Infinite Earths and Infinite Crisis and Final Crisis, right? Yep. The three, the three big ones that DC actually called Crisis, right? Um, and because Perpetua is fueled by Crisis energy, and he has these worlds essentially locked in these permanent cri- like she just has this never-ending flow of power coming to her. So the idea is that each of them, Wonder Woman, Batman, and Superman, will go, will each go to one of these worlds at the moment of when the heroes are victorious, right? And capture that crisis energy in an Alfred box. <laughs> the Alfred box being a mother box that Dark Father built. Correct. Yes, the Alfred box. Um, and capture that energy in the Alfred box and therefore deprive it from Perpetua and then bring it back and give it to Wally West. Yes. Right. That's the idea. There was something I think they weren't counting on. <laughs> no. Look. Um. I don't think anybody, I certainly wasn't, uh, was counting on this character showing up. I mean, if you if you think at all through, like, I, I knew very early in this book that's what was going to happen. Okay. Because, well, and the only reason is because if you think about it, like, what are the dark multiverse worlds, right? Yeah. They're the worlds, and if you read any of the Dark Multiverse, you know, like one-shot stuff, like I the, did you know, Tales from the Dark Multiverse, right? The whole idea of them is it's where the bad thing actually happens, right? Yeah. Yeah. Why they didn't think that through and realize that before they went to this world's where, you know, in the end they're victorious. Oh shit! It's the Dark Multiverse. Maybe they weren't. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Oops. <laughs> so who 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 was the who ended up being the the big villain in well, Infinite Crisis? I mean, I guess when you put it that way, there is a prime candidate. There is one hundred percent. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, but I will say one thing. Um, if you're reading, if you're listening to this, if you think this is not integral to the 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 dark metal, death metal book, you're wrong. Like you have to read this if you're reading. Yeah, death metal. absolutely. Yeah. Like yeah. All of these times, and this is why the main book is taking this month it is. off. Yeah, right. Yep. Um, we have all these tie-ins. We have the Justice League tie-in. Yeah, uh, and I would say they are all actual parts of the story. Like yeah. I don't know that you can skip any of them. And and going forward, we're going to have a couple more one shots a month that happen too. And I suspect yeah. those will also be pretty important to getting the full scope of the thing. I agree. Wow. Robin King shows up too. 
Yeah. Um, God, I love this character, and I, oh shit, he's awful. I love that on his Earth, the first person who figured him out was Harley Quinn. I know, right? It's beautiful. Uh, and like, and like, I love that, because the whole thing was like, he was just putting on an act and fooling everybody, right? Yeah. And like, yeah, she's a fucking psychiatrist. Mm-hmm. It kind of makes sense, right? That's oh. just anything, anytime Harley gets to be competent, I'm here for it. Me too. Deceased Hope at World's End number nine. Or um Superman Vitalia in an argument. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Our dads are gonna fight. Or not dads. Our parents yeah, are parents. gonna fight. It was inevitable. <laughs> Truly. And then Cass Cassandra. I'm so glad you invited me. <laughs> <laughs> I really do like her vibe in this book. She's very good. I I yeah. really hope she survives it and eventually shows uh, up in one of the others. Yeah, me too. Um, was this also the one where Talia's like, "You sound just like your father," and Damon's like, "Thanks." Uh, oh no, she told she told Superman. She said, "You sound just like uh, Batman. You sound just like Bruce." And he's like, "Thank you." Gotcha. <laughs> or you're just as stubborn as Bruce, or something to that effect, right? And he's like, "Thank you." <laughs> yeah. I uh, need more DCs. <laughs> Superman number 25. I am going to be quick here. Because, um, one, this is apparently the last arc of Bendis's run on Superman. Oh, okay. I did not realize that. Um, Delimber, 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 Delimber solicitations. <laughs> oh, yeah. Those are the very flexible ones. They're <laughs> limber. I, actually, they're they're not. They're super inflex. They're delimber. <laughs> um... Look, we're going to break out into Cole Porter if we keep going with this bit, and I'm sure it would be the lovely, but um, the December solicitations have started coming out. So far, only DCs are out. But both Superman and Action Comics are Bendis and their art, their respective art team's final issues on those books. Okay. Um, Bendis had said back in June that he was wrapping up his Superman run. Um, so this will be the last arc of this. And it and action will start tying up other threads soon. But this introduces a new character um, who is positioned as a villain. And we never really see any villainy out of this character in this issue. So I'm curious to see where it goes. Okay. Um, but this is a character called Sinmar, who is a member of an alien race called the Sinmar that watched the destruction of Krypton from way, 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 way on the other end of space and saw Clark's ship being sent to Earth and realized exactly what would happen when he got there. And their response was, well, this could be a problem. This could be nothing. Just in case, let's make our own Superman. Oh, they started this program and recruited this this character who is being called Sinmar as well. And like by all intent by by all measures, like he seems pretty chill and pretty ethical and like a good dude. Uh and at the end of this something goes wrong, something happens, and maybe the ramifications of that are what bring him to conflict with, with Superman. But this idea of let's make a foil just in case, I think is interesting. Also, I really, really, really was expecting some sort of connection to Anmar Sin, given the name. 
uh, and was surprised to find none. Uh, the rest of this issue is actually Superman catching up with Lana, uh, and oh, it gets a yeah. little bit into her time as super Superwoman. Um, it gets into like their childhood together and uh, all of the stuff going on with the Daily Planet. She's a report the science reporter now for the daily star and is doing an exclusive with superman since maybe it would be better not to go through the daily planet since he works there and also it's under federal investigation yeah um so a lot of interesting things happening here uh, i think it will make a solid like last arc for bendis on it cool moving on ice cream man presents quarantine comics special number one so this is a collection of what are mostly like three to six page stories that were released digitally like weekly uh, early in the quarantine. And some of them are the same creative team as the regular Ice Cream Man book, W. Maxwell Prince, Martin Marazzo, Chris O'Halloran. Uh, and that's about the first probably two thirds of the book. Okay. Um, and it's very much like an anthology book. It's all these disconnected short stories. Um, the 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 Prince Marazzo O'Halloran set are about Shakespeare writing King Lear in quarantine and modern quarantine. The second one is about Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden, and the snake is the ice cream man. <laughs> um, the third is about a man kind of just dealing with all the different selves he has had over his life and internalizing that. Uh, there is one here that is a parody of a certain DC character. Would you like to guess who Pinky Ring is a parody of? Green Lantern. Yep. Gets his power from sentient bubblegum. Uh, there's one yeah. about a, a man who is having dinner with his wife and is not taking his medication for his uh, hallucinations and how he processes that conversation. And then one about a kid who, like, takes a taxi cab to the end of the world. Oh, as you do. Yeah. Oh, wait, very... so, wait, wait, wait. So he came to 2020? <laughs> Well, it's it's a it's a little bit uh, hitchhiker's guide because they get to the little end, literal end of the world, end of oh, the universe. There you go. And then they turn around and go back home because what else are you, where else are you going to go? Right. Sure. Yeah. Um, but then we get into the guest series, which are about this kind of man versus nature story from Declan Shelby, uh, with colors by Chris O'Halloran. Um, there is a story that is about this girl who is sort of watching the world outside her window while her parents one of whom is very like conspiracy theory conservative and the other of whom is sane um are talking about the sane one's father contracting covid and not getting treatment and all of that and like She's taking markers and drawing things on the window as stuff happens on the world outside of her, outside of the apartment. Um, that one's really good. That's uh, that's Dennis Camp and Artyom Topolin with Aditya Bidikar lettering. Maybe my favorite uh, is one called Creature Causeway by Al Ewing and PJ Holden. That is an Animal Crossing parody. 
um, about the animals ritually sacrificing a villager. Um, and then the last one is called Small. It's by Christopher Cantwell, who is going to be writing Iron Man. And Aon Marin with Chris O'Halloran on colors. And actually, I really like this one, too. It's about... This is very, very Ice Cream Man. Like, I could see a full issue of Ice Cream Man out of this story. Okay. Um, It's about a man who, like, is obsessed with building this model train and then dies and then sees from the scale of the model train after he's died, his son's, like, above him, like, gods packing it up and not knowing what to do with it and neither of them wanting it. And, like, it's his version of heaven, but also meaningless to everyone else because he just sort of sheltered himself away and ignored everyone in his life because of it. So, yeah, lots of microdoses of existential angst. There you go. Yeah. Like um, yeah, if if you're not reading Ice Cream Man and need more existential angst in your life or more controlled existential existential angst in your life, go pick it up. Go. The Amazing Spider-Man number forty-eight. Oof. Uh, yeah. So, uh, I, is this this is the last issue of Sins Rising, right? Um, I think so. I really dug this issue. I did too. Um, yeah. This was this had some really really good stuff in it. Um, despite not having really a ton of action in it. I mean, I mean, I guess it did, but that wasn't the focus of it. Like the action wasn't. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, most of this issue is really phrased as, or really framed as, a debate that Peter is having with himself, whether to, and really he's not having this with himself, he's having it with everyone, but I it's, think, it, looking it, for validation. Right. It's his own debate that he's, like, discussing it with other people. Yeah, right? like, he he is in the situation of having to choose between letting... um. The Sin Eater, eater remove uh, uh, Norman Osborn's sins, Mm -hmm. or saving Norman Osborn, because they don't really know what the Sin Eater's whole game is, what he's doing, all of that. But they know he's not a good guy. Right. And, like, what he's inspiring is definitely not good, right? Definitely not. Yeah. Um, and Spider-Man, you know, Mr. Save Everybody. Because that's worked out so well for him. <laughs> um, I mean, it's why I like him, though, right? Like, cause Oh, knows, it is. Absolutely. Absolutely. He knows it's impossible, but, he, but he's still going to try. He, I think, defaults to he has to save Norman. And we see him talking to Miles. We see him talking to Julia Carpenter. We see him having the debate over and over whether or not there's any argument for letting it happen. And everyone's telling him, let it happen. And well, he not just everyone. Can't. Not everyone. There's one person that doesn't initially, which is I probably what, in my opinion, swung him. And that is he, you know, he's, he, so he has the conversation with Miles, right? And Miles mm-hmm. is like, it's not like you're doing this. Just let it happen. Right? Yeah. And he's like, I don't know if I can. I don't know if I can. I mean, he and didn't kill Uncle Ben. He just let it happen. Right. Exactly. And he's thinking through, like, why did it have to be Norman, right? Why is it Norman that he's going after? And, like, Norman has done all these, and he thinks about, you know, like, it shows Gwen Stacy falling. And, like, you know, the the web coming down to grab her right before. (laughs) By the way, right before, it then cuts back to him while he's, because he's having these thoughts while he's fighting. And it cuts back to him as, so, like, you see the web coming down for her, and then it cuts back to him as he hits a thing, and the and the 
the sound effect that goes with him hitting this thing is snap. Yeah. I'm like, really? Come on. <laughs> I mean, it was good, but I'm like, and then um, the person that shows up is is Gwen from Earth Spider Gwen, right? Yep. Ghost Spider, right? And he's it's like, like, he's seen a ghost, <laughs> right? It's like I I know you're not my Mary Jane, and I'm not your Peter. He, but she's not co- anybody's Mary Jane. I, no. Sorry. <laughs> there you go. You're not you're not my Gwen and I'm not your Peter, but you're the closest thing I have and I, I need to know what she would think about this. Right. And she's the one who says, No, I, I get it. I, I get that why you're struggling with this and you know, maybe maybe saving him is the right thing. I, I understand why you would think that way. And so she doesn't really tell him that that's what he should do, but she is the most understanding about him wanting to be who he is and save. save That's it. true. Yeah. yeah. Um. God, and yeah. I. I. I just loved her in this book. She's so good. Yeah. Um. This also directly sets up Last Remains. Yeah. Which, uh, begins with number forty nine slash eight hundred and fifty. Correct. Uh, and then will be the the arc going forward, but also we'll have like twice as many issues because we're gonna have like. 50, 50 point LR, 51, 51 point LR, etc. Yeah, they did this with Spider. They did it with, I think it was with this series even early, early yeah, in it, where with they did the a, Cravens. Oh, the, 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 the Last Hunt or whatever it was. Yeah. Craven's yeah. Last Hunger Games. Yeah, right. Yes. That one. Yeah. I forget what it was called, but that's, yeah. I think, it was, a it perfect was something name for it. It was something Hunt. I don't know. But yeah. yeah. But yeah, yeah. Craven's Hunger Games would, is absolutely perfect. Yeah, and then he talks to Julia Carpenter, and I do think I, I do want to point out a single thing that she says that I thought was super, super insightful. Right? Yeah. When he's talking to her, and she says something about if he was trying to kill Norman, then this would be an easy choice, right? You would save him. Yeah. But he's not trying to kill him; he's trying to save him. He's trying but, to cleanse him. But this is where that Peter thing kicks in. He's like, we don't yeah. know what that actually means. We right, don't know exactly. what the consequences of that are. Yeah, but like her pointing out that yeah, this is this is different than just like a villain threatening to kill. Yeah, you know another villain that you could let happen, right? Yeah, and I think like zooming out because Peter doesn't know this and they don't know this. Like zooming out, knowing that Kindred has brought yes the Sin Eater back for a reason, and that Kindred has interacted with Norman and has plans. I think as a reader, getting back to sort of the horror of this arc, as a reader, like, we know Peter's right. Mm-hmm. Because we've seen those moments. So when we get this last page, which I guess spoilers. Yeah. When we get this last page that is Julia and Miles and Gwen and... Silk. S- and Silk was... Jessica, Jessica was there, yeah. Yep, yeah. And who's the other Spider Woman? Slash Spider uh, Girl? Uh, Corazon? Yeah. 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 Anna, Anya, I forget which uh, it is. Yeah. yeah we see yeah, all them all show there. up yeah. to stop him. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. This is. I, I have no clue where this is going next. And, and even though she's in this book, it is only my second favorite appearance of spider-woman this week where was your favorite in captain marvel ah oh right spider spider-woman not ghost spider right right spider-woman right yes great 
Well, why don't we talk about Captain Marvel, Brian? Yeah. Um. Wow, what a mis- what a misleading cover this was, huh? I know, right? By the way, we are in Empire wrap up territory. Oh yeah, yeah, that we are. We're in we're in Empire Go here. Um, yeah, because we were we were both. So we both accurately predicted one thing that was going to happen. Yep, it was fairly well telegraphed. I think. I think um, so too. Like, not even to the point where I wouldn't even call it telegraphed. I would call it just foreshadowed. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. Fair enough. Um, but what we didn't know is based knowing that this cover was coming out whether how long that would last and only if it would be part of an issue right yeah <laughs> um so w- w- sure enough we get uh l'oreal taking up the hammer yes. of ronan the accuser and it full blown transforms her into l'oreal the accuser yeah not just like carol got a palette swap right this yeah. is the full armor. The full armor, the full black maskish tattoo thing yeah. over her. Yeah. Like it, like it's the whole like it's ruining the accuser in with L'Oreal being in the in yeah. it. Now there is yeah. one problem with this costume. There though. is a problem with this costume. Hence <laughs> <laughs> uh, the reason hence the reason Spider-Woman is my favorite in this yeah. one. Yes. I'm, I'm glad they acknowledged this problem in the issue too. <laughs> Me too. Cause cause Jess very clearly points out, I love the new armor, except for the fact that it covers up your arms. <laughs> <laughs> to which L'Oreal goes, thank you? You're welcome. <laughs> yes. Uh, such a great callback. I love it. It was wonderful. God. Also, just, just I'm, I'm imagining Carol trying to process her best friend and her half-sister going on a date or something and it's just the best it's just the best the the other is how amazing is the interaction between jess and hazmat i always love them together i know like and that's like it's not just this i mean it's great in this one but like every time those two are in a in a book or pages together they're they're great yeah you're old (laughs) quit making references to old movies i don't know (laughs) the wizard of oz isn't old it's a classic the what? <laughs> Come Never on, when we finish it. getting rid of these plants, we're having a movie night. Good Lord. Oh. How do you know it's old? Because you're old. <laughs> Damn! Ah, <laughs> uh, uh, yeah, it's good stuff. Um, so, yeah, it turns out that the, the, the Danvers coffin that we see on the front is in reference to them going to their mother's grave. Yes, Muriel. Yeah. Yeah, um, which is which is sad, but it was a very very moving moment for L'Oreal to to go and see that. And yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I I like the kind of monologue she has there at the grave about yeah having always like it, I I won't bother paraphrasing it. Read the damn book. Yeah, but yeah. I really liked that moment. It could have been too much, but I think it was really well done. I do too. And so I like how they did this also, where uh, L'Oreal becomes the accuser, right? And they finish this fight and like the story that's happening here. Mm-hmm. And then she gives she gives the hammer back to Carol because she tells Carol, she's like, no, I think this is right. 
but I don't think this is the right time because you need to finish what what's going on. And so she gives the hammer back to Carol for the rest of Empire, right? Yeah. And then it literally, so Carol leaves, and then it literally just cuts and says, you know, like a, several weeks later, like afterwards, she comes back, and now we know that, she, yeah, she is the accuser, yeah. and yeah. Which, that little time jump, I think, is a good segue into the next two books, and also a good chance to acknowledge something we said last week, which is this whole event, right, doesn't feel like it immediately changes a lot. And I think the fact that we get sort of a time skip in the middle of Captain Marvel sort of evidences that the immediate consequence of this is not evident. No, but we kind of get uh, uh, get a little taste on the final issue, yeah. final page of Avengers, what but that's going to be, don't we? Both, both Avengers and Fantastic Four, Aftermath and Fallout, respectively, yeah. because alliteration. Um... Both of these books give us some picture into other things that are going to happen in the future and happen immediately as consequence. Unfortunately, a lot of the immediate stuff is in Fantastic Four, which okay. you didn't get a chance to read. Yet. I did, yeah, I was going to say, transparent, full transparency. I have not read the Fast Fantastic Four one yet. That I just flat ran out of time with the wonderful week that I've had. Yeah. So, um, yeah, so that that will be read shortly, but yeah yeah so let's let's start with avengers okay it's a um, party we're having a party we're having a space party it is a victory slash wedding reception yes. party yes because uh it's it's the categorical opposite of the red wedding it it is it so billy and teddy reaffirm their wedding with their space wedding bill and ted thank you bill and ted exactly <laughs> um with their space wedding <laughs> and uh i love the, i love the rabbi well boys that was my first outer space same-sex jewish wedding but i hope it's not my last <laughs> <laughs> it's a cool rabbi right there i know right uh yeah and then we get a wonderful double page spread of like you know just all the heroes at this party that's a, that was a that was just a fun art page right yeah seeing everyone there Exactly, exactly. Um, and it's one of those that, like, ev there's so many that every time you look at it, you see somebody you didn't see before. Yeah. Kind of thing. Yeah. There's a um, really good moment in here, too. I think it's the next beat with uh, Billy talking to Carol and L'Oreal. Oh, oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's and really, really to L'Oreal and how she's really the perfect champ, the perfect candidate to be the accuser because she has right. also been accused and understands the power and responsibility of that commitment yeah yeah is teddy just not going to be the best king of space i really think so like i am so here for him like, i've i've always liked teddy but i feel like teddy always when i've read him has existed in group dynamics right and this is the first teddy story i've seen where he's really not just by himself, yeah. but but being the active decision maker in the room. Yep. Yeah, Dachala actually points that out at one yeah. point, right? Where, like, there's all of these, like, super A-list heroes. You know, you got Cap and, and Thor and Iron Man, all these people in the room, right? And something happens, and, like, nobody says anything until 
Teddy kind of like, you know, moves it forward or says, you know, whatever to dismiss it. Yeah. And he's like, and, and I think it's Billy makes a comment about why were they all just stopping and looking to you? And T'Challa says, because this is his court and he is the king. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And that's how it works. <laughs> and like, Teddy's even a little uncomfortable with it. And like, that's, that's part of why he'll be good at it, I think. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, oh my God. There was, there was one kind of cringy moment though <laughs> where Cap and, and Tony are talking to each other <laughs> and Cap it, Cap is, is lamenting like he's talking about how wow can you remember when we tried to stop these kids from being Avengers <laughs> what a mistake Ugh. that was and, and he's like and Tony's like yeah well we all make mistakes like that and he's like yeah but you know maybe if we had mentored them from the start or trained them and Tony goes registered them it's like wow <laughs> Did you really go there, Tony? Put a little asterisk right here, and later go to the segment on <laughs> Outlawed that will come after Empire. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I love that it's Thor that comes in between the two to, like, just stop it, right? Yeah. Thor. <laughs> really? I... The, the calm head in the room, Yes. I'm really enjoying what Cates is doing in Thor, but I love this Thor who is, like, a little more solemn because he's king now and kind of right. rational. Yes. Like, we don't get to see that Thor in Cates' Thor, and that's fine, but I like this version of him that we're seeing here, too. It's, it's a, I think it's an acknowledgement that, you know, what happened with him becoming right all all father yeah like like really changed him as a person like it it had an effect on him yeah well, and it's worth acknowledging too like uh to this point like dan slot even made a comment this week about it the the shipping schedule at marvel is not i think even without the the hiatus right books are not really lined up in time with other books right now no, they, Marvel generally has, and Marvel has always, not always done an awesome yeah. job with that. But Slot tweeted this week saying, now that both these books are out, I can answer the question I keep getting. Iron Man 2020 comes before Empire. Okay, yeah. Um, and like, he dodged that question because he didn't want, slash Marvel didn't want to like undercut the stakes of Iron Man. By knowing that it came before Empire and that Tony would come out of that as Iron Man. Right, right, um, right. And I know it's something we've talked about before with Avengers as well and Iron Man. Um, I do think there are some moments like that that do get maybe a little confusing or feel a little inconsistent. And to that I say, like, I still think it's worth it just to write them out and accept that and enjoy getting these kind of wildly it different is. versions at the same time. Yeah, it, it's not, I mean, it's it, it's part of reading comics. Right? Yeah, and like, yeah. I'm not the same person at home that I am at work. Nope. Like, I try to be generally a it, decent person, but like, I have different responsibilities in different places. I re have to react to things differently. And, and that's true even when I work at home. <laughs> well, <laughs> that's my secret cap. I always work at home. There you go. I love it. Um, then we have what is probably the most critical piece of this going forward, right? Abigail Brand? Yeah. 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 So Abigail Brand, which if you don't know, she is the current head of Alpha Flight. And prior head of S.W.O.R.D. Correct. Um, yeah. She um she shows up 
And, and Beast's ex-girlfriend. Oh, right. Yep. She shows up and is pissed at Carol. Like, L'Oreal's like, do I need to fight her? And Carol's like, no, it'll be fine. And then she just slaps the shit by Carol. Yeah. It's like, okay, maybe it's not fine. Yeah. Um, essentially that, you know, how, how much in disregard Carol specifically, because she was the head of Alpha Flight. Yeah. But in all honesty, she's directing it. She yells it so that they all hear, because she's directing it to everybody. Yeah. Like, like. Clearly, you don't think Alpha Flight is important, or you would have told us the moment you knew about this, right? Like, it's why Alpha Flight exists, yeah. and you didn't even bother to tell us. So, basically, fuck you all, I quit. Yeah, which I really talk about reconciling different beats, right? Like, yeah, as much as I am happy to kind of forget Civil War Two. It is also wild to me that that Carol would not tell Alpha Flight about right anything. Yeah. Um it's just which brings me back to let's just pretend Civil War 2 never happened. Uh, <laughs> like the Carol I like, I absolutely believe that of. That's fair. Yeah. The gung-ho play it, you know, from the cop. Yeah. Yeah. Hooyah. Yeah. Wow, that's real love. (laughs) (laughs) Yep, indeed. Uh, But yeah, so she quits, and that's that's not going to be a nothing. No, uh, because we well, okay, we also get Teddy and his two advisors, we do, Clert and Captain Glory. Yep. Who basically says, "Okay, now it's time for you two to pay the piper." Um, I'm not going to kill you. I'm going to put you in the Ambassador Corps and yep. make you work for peace and not fight. And Clark's like, okay, cool, whatever you say, boss. And Captain Glory's like, nah, you're going to need me, put me in storage, throw me in prison, whatever, but someday you're going to be glad I've got you back. Yeah, like, it, like I, I think his, his thing is, I am a weapon, and if you need to holster me, that's fine. Yeah. But one day you'll need to pull me out again, yeah. Cut to the future. Oh, boy. Yeah. Where... Teddy is alone on the battlefield, having been ignored by the Avengers and Alpha Flight and everyone. And who shows up to cover his back? Mm, yeah, so glory. And but but both of them are defeated. Like, make no doubt, they are yeah. they are both lying, well, defeated. It's not just glory though. And who were they defeated by? Wait, hang on. Oh, we may have read this differently. I think we read this differently. And you know what? Now that I think about it, it could be taken either way, couldn't it? Yeah, like, I see... And maybe it is, because it does look kind of like they're arriving, so maybe it is more your take on it. Yeah. I gotta say, when I first read it, I took it the other way, that they're defeated by these people. Yeah, I, I think it's... So, Glory, Glory's kind of laying there... If he's not dead... If he's not dead, I bet he wishes he were... If he's not dead, he's at zero hit points and making death saves. Yeah, so. and not doing well on them. No, like, like is it, two out of three failures. Least, has failed at least two of them, right? Yeah, exactly. Um, and Billy's like, my friends, my enemies, the Earth, Alpha Flight, all of it, I should have listened. And then we hear off-panel this voice, you really should have. I warned you all the way back at your wedding party, your highness, Alpha Flight doesn't work. And then and we see a glowed-up Abigail Brand. Yep. 
in a very kind of X-Men-esque uniform. It's a super X-Men-esque uniform, isn't it? Um, in fact, there's there's a uh, logo both on her chest and on her shoulder. The one on her chest I really thought was the X-Men X at first. Yeah. Um, but if you look at the shoulder one, which is a little bigger, it looks kind of like kind of like an E, like a circle with an E that's really long and crosses all the way across the circle. Over be. a D, and that E looks kind of like a sword. Yeah. Um, well, I mean, the I'm other, the other, like Earth Defense Force or whatever. The other thing it could be, right? Well, I'm trying to remember. Beast is she actually a mutant? I don't think so. Okay, I'm pretty sure she's not. Okay. In fact, I know she's not because they were able to use her on Agents of Shield. Oh, right, you are correct. Yeah. Anyway, okay. her other line there was, is that's why right. I built something better. Let's go. Yeah, uh, because my my. My initial thought was, wait a minute, I could, and I, I, that was just that I couldn't remember if she was. And if she was, I was going to say, that's very X-Men-ish, and I, it makes me wonder if they're going to come out with an X-Flight book. Yeah. Right? Which would have been, you know. No, I, I think I, I think she's, I'm almost positive she's not a mutant. Yeah. Um, so, I will be a little more uh, general about Fantastic Four. Okay. Thank you. Um, we see... I think this was Fantastic Four. Um, I don't think this was Avengers. We see from the party... This is also set at the party. Okay. We see the place the Kotati are sent. Was this in Avengers? Nope. Okay. So we see where the Kotati are sent. Um, and uh, Sue and a small team take them to their new home. I'm going to say it again. I really, really regret that we didn't get that Thor Empire tie-in. Because mm. this is also a big Thor moment, and he's giving up these Gaia powers that we saw briefly in Empire. Yep. Uh, in number six. I'd love to know the story there. Um, but it's fine. We don't really need it for this to make sense. Um, I would call this a very compassionate solution to the Kotati issue. Uh, we also get the return of the profiteer. Oh, yeah. Who Reed calls and asks to come. Oh. Because all of the weapons the Kotati were using are alien to everybody in the room, which is unlikely. Yeah, which is like a lot of people familiar with a lot of space people, right? And the profiteer is like okay. the single person who knows the most about war and weapons of war, having funded both sides of this military conflict forever and armed them forever and being an elder of the universe, right? Mm -hmm. So like literally there's no one who's been around longer than her. Um we also learn by by royal decree who will be Joe and Nikki's new caretakers. Oh, boy. Which will make you very happy when you get there, Brian. It made me very happy. Okay. We also see a character who we haven't in a while. Um, in true Fantastic Four fashion, this is a big event in the history of the cosmos, right? Yeah. What would that mean? Historically, especially in a Fantastic Four event, when a really uh, big event happens. Well, I mean, in addition to us, there's usually somebody that, that watches it happen. Yes, there is. Am I right? You are right. Yeah! <laughs> um, we see someone watching 
Not so unseen. Not so unseen. Perfect. Um, and then there is on the last page what I will call a surprising moment with this unseen character. Oh boy. Uh, and it ends on there shall be a reckoning and the caption the beginning of the end. Uh, uh, I would call this one of the most immediate consequences. Oh boy. I don't know exactly how it immediate. will affect things, but it's definitely a pretty big deal. Oh my. Alright, remember that asterisk from a few minutes ago? Yeah. Alright, let's talk Outlawed real quick. Uh, I'm going to start with Miles Morales, Spider-Man, number 18. This actually came out last week, two weeks ago, as you're listening. Um, but my comic shop was shorted. I just got my hands on it this week. Both of these books are Saladin Ahmed writing, and man, if you're not reading Saladin Ahmed in general or these books, I really recommend them. Um, Miles starts off where the last issue ended. There is someone in a Miles Morales Spider-Man costume in his home, and this scene is split between a fight between them, Miles and fake Miles, and then his parents and little sister, who are leaving or on their way to uh, baby yoga, and are surrounded and accosted by... Dum Dum Duggan and his agents who are enforcing Kamala's law. Uh, and this picks up an older seed from this storyline where Miles had been the subject of some sort of alien, extra-governmental, black ops, shadowy experimentation. So I don't know exactly what all's going on here. Meanwhile, his his friends, the other students, are like pushing back against... Uh, Cradle and Kamala's Law refusing to sign this pledge that they'll report any superhero they find out about uh, or not be able to do extracurriculars if they don't sign it. Um, And they're good kids who call their senator and their senator gets arrested with them because fascism is bullshit. Stop buying into it, motherfuckers. Mm -hmm. Meanwhile, in Miss Marvel, uh, Magnificent Miss Marvel number 14, uh, last we saw Kamala, she was comatose back in February. Uh, this picks up kind of in her hospital bed and cuts between scenes of friends and family members visiting her and giving maybe, actually, this would be a really easy place to jump onto this series, kind of giving reminders of what all has gone on, what plot points might be relevant right now. Um, and then sort of her processing these sort of nightmarish memory visions as she's kind of fighting to regain consciousness. Where this ends uh, makes me personally very happy. It's basically, Miles is there when she wakes up. This is the first time Saladin Ahmed has gotten to write them both on the page together. Uh, she's like, look, I'm glad you're here, but I need to do this myself. These people have taken my name and are persecuting my friends. I'm going to fix this and like gets out of her bed. And then we get a, to be continued in champions. Number one. Oh boy. And miss Marvel. Number 14. Um, I cannot wait to see Kamala fight back against this bullshit done in her name. Yeah. Like, like I, I, I'm trying to think if that's ever happened in real life where like 
somebody has taken, you know, and made a bill that is so-and-so's bill or so-and-so's law, and, like, that person is totally against it. I'm sure there has to have been. I, I keep thinking there has to have been. I just don't know an example. But, like, how freaking powerful is that against that movement, <laughs> right? I would hope it would be. I'll put oh, it that yeah. way. Yeah, no kidding. Um, you're, you're not wrong there. Anyway, where is Thor and Cap? Where are Thor and Cap and Iron Man to be like? No, we tried this. We were just in space and agreed this is a bad plan. Stop <laughs> this cradle. Yeah, yeah. Okay, X time. X time. Marauders number twelve. Kate Pryde gets some new tats. She does. Um, also, just, I, I am a sucker for all of her friends individually getting to see and have moments with her again now. Every yeah. last one of them got me. Yeah, every, every, I mean, and obviously not everyone, but like. Your favorite was the magic one. There's no oh, question. Of course, that was super, like, that's not even, you don't even have to predict to know that one. I mean, come on. But like every. I would say super, super major relationship, you know, tie-in that, that, that she had, with probably one exception, it showed up, right? Yeah. To have a There's nothing between her and Peter, which we'll talk about in a minute. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, but, like, Storm shows up to, Storm, and I love that Storm shows up to be her acknowledgement. If you remember how, uh, when someone is reborn on Krakoa, right? Yeah. There's almost like this ceremony where they're like, who is this person? How do I know you're this person? And they like recount something that only would be known between them. Yeah. Right. And they're like, yep, it's you. And like everybody celebrates. Right. Isn't it? Or maybe it's just the ones we've seen mostly. have been. Isn't that kind of Storm's job? I, I think it kind of is. Like, I think that's one of her responsibilities on the Quiet Council. Right. Yeah. Is to recognize and acknowledge reborn mutants yeah. i i definitely think because it seems to always be her yeah or at least but like you said at least the ones we've seen right you are right that it's great to see the two of them in this moment yeah because because she's her question to kate is how do i know it's you kate and she's like because once when i was a dumb kid i threatened to abandon you over your haircut <laughs> and storm's response is and then that girl grew up to get knuckle tats <laughs> <laughs> yep. Yes. But of course because it's a new body she doesn't have her hold fast knuckle tats anymore. Yep. Yeah. So she uh she gets knuck tats V2.0. V2.0 which what I I I think possibly my okay. I was going to say my favorite single panel but it's my second favorite single panel. My your favorite is again magic hug tackling. <laughs> tackling her with a hug, yes. Um but it's <laughs> her. Uh, it's Kate and Emma talking, and basically Emma, you know, tells telepathically shows Kitty you know, what happened with everything, and Kate's like, "Oh, I have I have a better idea," and Emma's like, "What?" And they like m you know mind mer you know tel telepathically connect again, and, and like and that reaction on Emma's face mm -hmm. <laughs> is like the best. Well, it's they are so good. riding horses in flowing gowns. Yes. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it, it, it's just wonderful. Yeah. And then, because she, she gets a moment, so obviously with Emma, she gets a moment with um, uh, Kurt. Kurt. 
Yeah, which is also super important. That yeah. one touched me. She gets a brief moment with, with Logan. Yeah. And then Magic shows up and tackles her. And I mean, you know, I, I'd have been fine if they'd have just kissed right there. But, yeah. <laughs> right? But no. Turns out that, Magic turns out is, that happens like Magic is not the woman she kisses in this issue. I was going to say, turns out that happens later, doesn't it? <laughs> um. Yeah, and then, and then she hugs Shaw. <laughs> the most holy threatening sh- hug holy shit does that freak him out <laughs> yeah and i love it he gives her this bottle of of whiskey that has been distilled on krakoa and aged by tempus and she hugs him with it and in his ear whispers and thank you for your gift mm-hmm. which is just the most threatening line of dialogue in this yeah. book, and I am yeah. here for it. And there's several implications to that, right? One of which is, uh, I totally read one of the big pieces of that being knowing that I can be resurrected, right? Yep. Yeah. Like, no, you can't get rid of me that way. Also, just kind of, there's there's the other layer that is, uh-huh. oh yes, thank you for showing your hand, and uh-huh. now I can come for you. Yep, exactly. Oh, it's so good. Yeah, and then she has uh then she has Ilyana bounce her out to uh to a tattoo parlor to get some new new knuckle tats. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Uh and and what do these say, Alec? Kill Shaw. Kill Shaw. <laughs> I love the um <laughs> I love the, the artist who uh she was like, um, I almost never ask, but I'll make an exception and like Kate already knows what she's gonna say and she's like it's the name of the man who hurt me. <laughs> okay, say no more. <laughs> yeah, and then she finishes putting her knuckle tats on, and then Kate leans forward and kisses her. <laughs> I love it. It's beautiful. This this was just a great celebration slash setup issue for, for her yeah. return. I mean, there's yeah. so much about Kate's return that is... Her owning who she is. Yep. I mean, from... We get the moment with Kurt and the Star of David necklace. Her hair is styled differently in this issue than she Mm -hmm. has worn it in most of her appearances. It's more back to her original, more natural hairstyle. Yep. Right? She gets gets her red captain's coat back. Yep. Right? It, It did raise a thought to me, though, like when they figured out last issue how to how to resurrect her, right? Yeah. That if she tried phasing through a gate to Krakoa, would it let her in? That's a good question. Right? Um, yeah. But yeah, like, seeing seeing the version of Kate who was, was I think, feeling trapped, and now mm-hmm. seeing this version of Kate who is not so much, like, there's, I think, a huge payoff to that, and I'm really excited to see her just kind of own her shit. Yeah, me too. X-Factor number three. I, I gotta say, of all of the books, though, the the premise for this book might be my favorite. Yeah. Uh, this is You said X-Factor or X-Force? X-Factor. Yeah, okay, yeah. The, the idea of this group who investigates, right, mm-hmm. the deaths of mutants, I, like, I, I think it is just a truly wonderful setup. I agree. Yeah. Um... And this one finds our intrepid group on, still on Mojo World. Yep. Except for uh, Dokken, who did get turned away at the border. Out. Yeah. Um, and 
they go to several of the top streamers, like headquarters places, right? Yep. Starting with Spiral Showcase, who clear, clearly it's like an interview, kind of like a, uh, it, it's almost a, uh, um, God, what was I going to say? The, the Are you really the father? Uh, who was the guy that did that? Maury. Maury Povich. Maury Springer, take your pick. Yeah, Jerry Springer, that's yeah. the one I was actually trying to do. Yeah, it's like a Jerry Springer show, right? Yeah. Where, where like, they... They reveal, they you know show these shocking information to people and get their reactions to them, right? It, it like it kind of cracks me up that it's Spiral that's doing that, but yeah, <laughs> yeah. And they re- she reveals to them who it was that they're actually investigating, like who the identity was, right? Um, which is somebody that is totally in my blind spot. For, Same. Yeah, I, I don't know. It's Sophia Windancer, which I don't know. Yeah anything about her friend so. of prodigy who like yeah i think i know prodigy from gillen and mckelvey's young avengers maybe okay but not super well yeah uh and then she teleports them to another streamer's location how tragic is shatterstar oh the most um he is the top streamer because he has a battle arena where essentially he he kicks ass all the time, <laughs> right? Um, but we find out something super crucial, which is he's the one that used uh, uh, Windancer's death to let them know what happened and summon them here. Right. Yeah. Um, because one hundred percent, almost without question, he is trapped here. Mm-hmm. And specifically, he kind of lets them know what's going on and uh, that they need to get her body and get it out before her DNA can be used in this process of creating endless clones. Yeah, so because his whole thing is fighting in this arena, he needs cannon fodder. Right. And they get that cannon fodder by just cloning mindless copies of people over and over and over again. And he wants to make sure that no mutant DNA makes it into those databanks. Correct. And then you also realize that in addition to that, specifically because all the cameras are here and everything else, he is 100% trapped. Yep. And Polaris tells him, we'll be back for you. Well, and there's also the top streamers get some sort of chip implant in their brain that protects them from psychic interference. But I'm sure also is some sort of, like, mojo can read your thoughts or whatever. Yeah. So he is having to, and I mean, maybe to some degree spiral too, right? Yeah. Like, having to perform in these very specific ways. Yes. um, To glorify the great and powerful mojo. And then then we get a a beautiful Aurora and Dokken interaction. (laughs) Are you familiar with Pokemon? Which, uh, how did you ever think you would hear those words come out of Dokken? I mean, come on. <laughs> that that was a weird moment. Like I know, right? Well, because basically he's trying to answer the question for her. When she asks, why are you wearing a shirt? <laughs> I don't think I've ever seen you in a shirt. To which, to which I, you know, of course, the, the, the real answer is, well, because I study it under Namor. But... Yeah. <laughs> See, I think... I think there is this part of me, having grown up 
at that age to be in the target demo for Pokemon when it debuted in the U.S., right. having been on the ground floor of it pretty much, and like having to deal with the nails on the chalkboard of adults calling it Pokemon. Pokemon. And wow. hearing all the people trying to talk about it, not knowing what they were talking about, right? Yeah. To this day, more than half my lifetime later, I still cringe a little bit whenever Pokemon comes up in anything. Just, I think, in a gut reaction to, oh no, what are they going to say? <laughs> yep, I get you. Um, that's an that's a, that's a, that's a understandable <laughs> reaction. It's it's just, I don't know why I caught myself doing it in this. I'm like, it was fine. It was just... Yeah, yeah. Oh, nope. I... I definitely never expect anyone to ever get this right outside of that very specific context, do I? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, but essentially he tells her, well, I'm wearing a shirt because it's soft and it feels good. Yeah. (laughs) And then (laughs) it is like one of the most docking things ever. So like this whole conversation is happening and he's very clearly having an impact on Aurora. (laughs) Right? Like she finds herself like, having a real conversation with him and like well and last issue like she watched him make the comment about wanting to go home and hook up with her correct right yeah and then being doing the most docking thing ever completely fucks it up yep (laughs) yes and then what i absolutely love about it is there's like there's like no like whatever storm you know storming off or getting mad or anything else because she's aurora you just hear a sound effect whoosh and she's just not there anymore. <laughs> <laughs> yeah beautiful. um yeah but that's uh that's that's mostly this one that's they they get the body and head back and we find out that you know like i said polaris says that she will be back for for Shatterstar, and that's where we end this one. Then let us move on to X-Force number 12. Um, hey, not a great day to be to be Peter Rasputin, or to be uh, Quentin. Quentin Quire. Thanks, I kept wanting to call him Kid Cable. No, yeah, those are, those are both bad choices. And then, also one of the most beast moves ever, right? Let's, can we talk about beast for a minute? Sure. How how do you feel about Beast in this sort of Dawn of X era? So here's the thing. I think you have to you have to buy into the idea that he cares so much about this succeeding that it is truly the most important thing to him. And when I say this, I mean Krakoa. Yeah. Succeeding. That it is the most important thing to him. If you do that, everything else he does makes sense. Yes. No, I agree with you on that. And I, yeah. I'm kind of fascinated by this version of Beast. I am too. Because... And here's the thing. And when I say you have to buy into that, it's a very believable thing for Beast to become. Mm-hmm. But it's also just as equally believable that he would not accept that. Yeah. Right? And so you kind of have to lean one way or the other. And both are both are equally plausible to me. I'll say it that way. Mm-hmm. And so I, since this is the direction they took, I'm choosing to go with the plausible side that, yeah, he did make that choice. Well, what 
Part of the reason I want to talk about it is because Beast has always been one of my favorite X-Men characters. Like, again, kind of the timeline. I watched the cartoon on Fox. Oh, you just like him because Kelsey Grammer played. I mean, I did think that Kelsey Grammer was really good <laughs> casting for Beast. He, he was. He was fantastic. Um, I wish Kelsey Grammer the human were a little more likable than he actually is in modern times. But yeah. he could be so much worse, too. Uh <laughs> um but like i watched the cartoon i watched the movies i think i had the like one episode of pride of the x-men or something on vhs uh as a kid inexplicably and then i've been reading x-men stuff for about the last 10 years so like this is the sampling of beast i have and that very claremont inspired cartoon beast is always sort of the beast in my head sure But one of the things that Bendis played with a lot in his run, and that stuck around in some of the subsequent runs, was this idea of Dark Beast. Right. This beast from the future who had gone evil and was just the worst impulses in Beast. Mm -hmm. And what I think is really interesting about this beast, the beast in the Hickman era stuff, is how kind of easily being just a little fascist sometimes slides him way closer to Dark Beast. Yeah. Way faster than I think I ever expected. Well, and it's very similar to what you saw with uh, Young Beast right with the, with the original x-men who came forward in time uh-huh right and that that hank mccoy accepting magic yeah right and he did it because he thought that was the power that he needed to accomplish what he believed in yeah it's it's there's... he's very let me let me say this it's been fairly consistent with beast or it's fairly easy to buy into beast that the ends justify the means i was about to say there is a sort of machiavellian streak exactly yeah, yeah. yep um and it's fun i guess it's funny to me because like the snapshot i have of beast as sort of like the 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 platonic ideal is that sort of pacifist yeah i'm just gonna hang out in this gel cell reading shakespeare indefinitely right beast um, and maybe that's not, I mean, apparently, definitely in comics, like, that's not it. Like, he's, there is more to him than that. There that's is just, more. Yeah. Yeah. It, I guess it goes back to that thing I, I, I say, I think I mentioned last week, like, the, the status quo of a character has to evolve over time for what the portrayal of that character in general media mm-hmm. can be to evolve. And I feel like maybe we're at that point where what Beast is is finally evolving some yeah. past past the status quo. And it, 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 I love his character because it's one of those that there's there's very much parts about his action that are hard to disagree with, right? Yeah. Well, and like, it's some of it, especially but, to him. But they just kind of don't feel right. Well, I think some of it to him feels so logical because he recognizes his own talents and his own skills and his own qualifications. Yeah. And trusts himself, whether we always do or not, aside, he trusts himself, and maybe he's right, but creating that precedent opens so many doors and he doesn't look past himself to others. It's very much a, right, I'm going to walk right across the top of the slippery slope yeah 
and he has enough confidence that he won't slide down. And I'm not sure that we have that confidence. Well, and I think too about, and maybe this is a little broader generalization than I should make, but like the time I worked in software development, um, there is a kind of coder, a kind of software engineer, a kind of industrial engineer. Like I've got industrial engineers in my family. There is this, this worldview that says, I know what is right. I know the black and white of things that I see in people who have these very analytical jobs that kind of beast is picking up on the, well, no, no, this is right. This is fine. This is the quickest path to it. Yeah. I remember once like I took over customer service for one division of our company uh, back when I worked for the software company. And the first big thing I had to fight against was our techs wanted to go in and change customer data to fix a misaligned key field so that when we added their data to our software, it would line up with the right records. Uh-huh. And I had to like get the president of the company involved to stop that and say, no, you can't just go change data. Yes, I know you're right. Yes, I know it's the solution, but you have to let the customer know that there's a problem and consent to the change before you can just mess with their live databases and their their accounting information yeah yeah and it was like a week-long fight to to get this policy changed just because the well this is right and this is what we have to do so why waste time mentality was so pervasive and that's why they were having trouble keeping customers it's like guys you see the correlation right yeah like this isn't a question of whether it will solve the problem it's a question of how you're presenting that solution, right? Yeah. It's, yeah. And how that solution, more importantly, how that solution will be accepted. Yeah. Yeah. I just, I, yeah. It's... And you're, you're right. There, amongst logical thinking people, it tends to be a very mathematical look at it, right? Yeah. Because, you know, in math, when you're given a problem, there is an answer. Normally. Right? Uh, okay, I mean, yeah, you, you <laughs> yeah. can you can have you know you can have quadrilaterals where there's two answers, right? But there are there is generally either there is generally a solution. That right. solution may be like you know an empty set, something odd, right? Your answer but, or answers are right or wrong. Correct, and you tend to think of everything that way if you're a logical yeah. type thinker, and that is one hundred percent not the case, especially, and it's it's why. You know, people like that, like me in some cases, have trouble understanding people who are emotional when they're reacting to things. Yeah. Well, yeah, like real talk, Brian and I both are in charge of systems for different companies. So, like, we have to keep these impulses in ourselves in check. Yeah. And it's, I mean, it's one of the reasons that I am as successful as I am at at my job is because I actually do understand. It's not my natural inclination. But I do understand and acknowledge the other side of that, which is the, you know, the human interaction side. Yeah. It's it's why I make a good technical manager, because the people that work for me don't have to be that, but I am. <laughs> right. Yeah. yeah. Um. Anyway, so we both see and recognize and appreciate Beast, even though we know he's walking a dangerous path. <laughs> yes, exactly. God, wow, that was, yeah, that got way off, didn't it? No, it it went where I expected it to, honestly. Fair enough, um, fair enough. But I've been thinking about it for a while and wanted to bring it up. 
And then we get an answer to maybe why, I mean, among other reasons, which is, you know, she left him at the altar, uh, of why Peter wasn't <laughs> at Kitty's resurrection. Yeah. Right? Um, yeah. Uh, and that would be because Beast and Logan go place him under arrest and Domino. Well, Beast does. Logan is not really on board with this. Yeah, that's fair. So, um... Logan, the more compassionate of the two. So, and by the way, I, I will say, Peter is very good in, in this. Like, yeah. I don't hate Peter in this. Um, basically, they show up, you know, there's this question about Mikhail showed up and took Quentin, right? Mm-hmm. And all of the, and so there's questions about what's going on with Russia. And so all of the people that have Russian ties they're gathering to question, right? And about what's put going it in tournament. Well, we're going to get to that in a minute. Um, so, you know, Omega Red and Peter are two. And here's the, this is, this is the example that we were talking about with Beast that, that raises this issue, right? Is they go to get him and Domino and Logan are, for the most part, yes, we need to question him. That's, that's a valid, right, thing? Sure. It's his brother. Right. We haven't known that he's around. I get asked yeah. those questions. Correct. But Beast wants to, like, to the point of putting handcuffs on Peter mm-hmm. for what is essentially a perp walk. Yeah. Right? Knowing that, and he even tells Peter, I know you can break out of these, right? Yeah. But for policy's sake, I need you to wear them. And they go through, and all of these people are waiting, uh, essentially like paparazzi almost, yeah. well, on Beast, Krakoa Beast to witness. the spectacle of shame. Right, that's my point. To show up to essentially be a perp walk for Peter, right? Yeah. And the reason is because, and he, he, you see this, it's, it's one of the, you know, the, the text pages that you get that explain things here, of how, you know, crime has gone down in the U.S. because of traffic cameras and doorbell cameras and iPhones being everywhere, you know, cell smartphones being everywhere with cameras and the fact that people are aware that they can't get away with what they used, you know, what might be their inclination if they did think they could get away with it. Yeah. And that's essentially what he wants to do with Peter is make him an example of, you know, if, there's questionable behavior you will get brought in right right and you know that's where we get to the beast of yeah your idea is right cameras do drop crime but is it the right thing no no it's not yeah i, I i'm i'm leaving that an open-ended question i'm not i have my, <laughs> I have my own beliefs about it how's that yeah and here's the, yeah, uh, and, and I am of an opinion, I've got no problem as a homeowner if you want to buy a video doorbell and put it in place and, you know, use that, et cetera, et cetera. I do have a problem if, you know, whoever is the supplier of that captures that data and supplies it to police and does other things with it without you specifically saying, yeah, I want that to happen. Yeah, I... not, not unless you say you don't want it to happen. But, like, no, you have to go in and explicitly say, yes, I do want that to happen. Right. Um, and then they report that back to the police instead. Uh, sure. Yeah. No, that, that, that's not I, I, I know. Yeah. Yeah. No, I would have one if not for those exact reasons, but I don't trust Same. anyone 
not same. to in 2020. It's the same reason I don't have a, 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 a you know a Amazon listening device in my house because two anyway whatever yeah. I'm not going yeah. there. <laughs> Don't need to. Hey, I think we're done. <laughs> I think so. Uh, quick round. Is it still good? Something is killing the children. Something is still killing the children. It turns out uh, lots of children are in danger of being killed. And Erica's. <laughs> would would it kind of by definition be the last issue if something wasn't killing the children anymore? <laughs> well, uh, Erica's frenemy from the organization uh makes matters worse and then makes matters worse bureaucratically <laughs> while trying to do the right thing batman and the outsiders number 16 you know what happens to a racial ghoul when he's hit by lightning the same thing that happens to anything else well, there you go there will never be a better line of dialogue in a comic wait right wait now. wait he gets super speed no, that's The Flash, number 761. <laughs> there you go. Max Mercury, hell yeah, saves the day. Uh, wait, 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 Max Mercury's Kite Man? <laughs> if he wants to be, baby. Uh, Max Mercury saves the day by inviting more speedsters to the party who figure out how to send all of the, the recruited villains back. As Barry and Thawne begin their final race with each other. Star number five. Um, this is the end of Star. This was, I think this is the last of the digital releases to get physical copies. Uh, I think you're right. Star is still out there and can make a new life for herself or not. We'll see. Um, so wait, 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 wait. A new star. I'm gonna do. That. I'm gonna interrupt you with every one of these. <laughs> a new star is born. Is that what you're saying? <laughs> exactly. I do want to mention, though, there is a variant cover for this that was listed as the foreshadowing variant. Okay. And I am so curious about what might what might come next, based on the idea that this variant is foreshadowing something. Brian, can you see this? Uh, I can. Can you see what is in this jewel that Black Cat is holding? I can. Um, it seems to be foreshadowing Black Cat with the reality gem with Star trapped inside. Yeah. And as opposed to as opposed to the star being in her, she is the in gem the, in her yeah. I mean yeah, the gem in her. She is in the gem. Yes. And part of what I am curious about with this is the Black Cat series has finally had its return announced as part of the King and Black stuff that starts in December. Oh, no. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, we'll see where that goes. Also, there's an issue of that that's been announced that's Doctor Doom and Iron Man fighting Santa Claus. Web of Venom, <laughs> Wraith number one. Um, this is sort of the. History and end of Wraith, who was a character Kate's introduced in his Guardians of the Galaxy run. Um, and Wraith is trying to find out why he was created, what created him. That leads him to Null and the Revelation. Wait, wait, wait. Wraith al Ghul? <laughs> you know what happens to a Wraith al Ghul when it's hit by Null? The same, same thing, thing happens, happens to anything else. There you go. Fuck it. That's it. 
This week's books to read there. This week's books to read. Hell yeah. Woohoo. <laughs> yeah. All right. Uh, first up for me, Stillwater number one. Zdarsky writing horror. Sounds good. Brian. Yeah. Iron Man number one. I mean, yeah, the, we, we've we already talked about this in solicitations. Uh, I'm coming out of Iron Man 2020. I'm super excited to see what's what we're going to get in this new run with uh, with Tony back in the suit. There is a variant for this by R.B. Silva that is gorgeous. That is Iron Man fighting an octopus. Heavy number one. This is Max Bemis's Punisher with Magic book for Vault. Um, I really liked Max Bemis's run on Moon Knight. Oh, yeah. And I think he's done some other things here and there that I've also enjoyed, like event tie-ins and stuff. Uh, so I am super interested in this. Apparently, this is like the first idea of a story that he ever had that he wanted to tell. Like, he's had this idea since he was a kid. Uh, so, yeah. And plus, Vault. When have they ever steered us wrong? I don't think uh, anything I've heard from them so far. Giant Size X-Men Storm, Brian. Yeah. I am super excited about this because I'm really, really hopeful it's going to really continue from the uh, the Jean Grey Emma Frost and the um, uh, God, I just completely drew a blank. The, uh, the who's who's the Professor Xavier that came back? The uh, Phantom X. Uh, Phantom X. And the Phantom X giant sizes, right? You know, that reminds me. We have not had an explanation of how Phantom X is alive. Because when Xavier came back as X, he came back in Phantom X's body. Yeah. That is an open thread still. It is. Um, I had not thought about that. Yeah. And the other the other thing that, like, seeing this on the list made me think of after after reading Marauders is, does Kate know that storm's dying i doubt it i imagine yeah. this feels like something they'd keep secret right does it though yeah um last one catwoman number 25 this is mm. uh rom v taking over writing duty uh he's written a few issues here and there but is the new full-time writer this first issue is i believe a joker war tie-in it is, yeah. Uh, the art team on this is Fernando Blanco and FCO Placencia. And I was already super, super stoked for this. Mm-hmm. But then this morning, Ram V tweeted out preview pages. Oh, did he really? Uh, I retweeted them. You can find them as you're listening to this. I don't tweet much. You won't have to scroll back in my Twitter feed to find them. But Jesus fucking Christ, Brian, is this absolutely gorgeous? Yeah. Um. I. I. I yeah. I, I. I can't wait. Are you sure he's writing this one? Ram V. Yeah. Well, he tweeted saying he was writing it, and in the preview pages he showed, he's listed as the writer in the credits. Okay. Okay. I'm looking at. I'm looking at a preview that doesn't show him as the writer. That's why I'm. I don't know. Maybe. I mean, Interesting. be here. I will text this page to you real quick, just to get your okay. reaction to it anyway. Oh, yeah, I want to, yeah, definitely. Um, This was one of a couple of pages he texted. Oh, wow. Oh, I do like that. Yeah. I'm kind of a sucker for sepia tone anyway. But... Yeah, I mean, between Fernando, Fernando Blanco and FCO Placencia, like, this is going to be a great art book. Yeah. 
I mean, just this page of like it's Selena and a tiger and a string ensemble behind them, and it's it's just gorgeous. Anyway, yeah, uh, I don't think I've ever been so excited for a Catwoman book. I'm I'm super super happy about this. Yeah, cool. All right, that is it. We are done. We would like to thank Chase Parker for our intro voiceover. You can visit us at panelologypodcast.com. Support us on Patreon at patreon.com slash panelology. Get merch at bit.ly slash merch, capital P, capital M, or send us letters, questions, comments, whatever, at bit.ly slash mailbag, capital P, capital M. As always, I'm Alex. And I am Brian. Hey. Go recomp.